Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home from Monday, May 11th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, a flaw in Thunderbolt basically means no computers are secure. Qualcomm's new flagship chip, Eric Schmidt has finally left the Googleplex, detecting malware via grayscale images, Apple is reopening stores, and we might have a new tech IPO as soon as next month. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. A researcher says that Thunderbolt ports have an unpatchable flaw that could allow hackers with physical access to the port to have the ability to circumvent data safeguards. This so-called ThunderSpy attack takes less than five minutes to pull off, and it affects any PC manufactured before 2019. So some new PCs are not affected. And actually, I've seen some reports that AMD chips might not be affected. But quoting from Wired, On Sunday, Eindhoven University of Technology researcher Bjorn Reutenberg revealed the details of a new attack method he's calling ThunderSpy. On Thunderbolt-enabled Windows or Linux PCs manufactured before 2019, his technique can bypass the login screen of a sleeping or locked computer and even its hard disk encryption to gain full access to the computer's data. And while his attack in many cases requires opening a target laptop's case with a screwdriver, it leaves no trace of intrusion and can be pulled off in just a few minutes. That opens a new avenue to what the security industry calls an evil-made attack, the threat of any hacker who can get alone time with a computer in, say, a hotel room. Reutenberg says there's no easy software fix, only disabling the Thunderbolt port altogether will work. Quote, all the evil maid needs to do is unscrew the backplate, attach a device momentarily, reprogram the firmware, reattach the backplate, and the evil maid gets full access to the laptop, says Reutenberg, who plans to present his ThunderSpy research at the Black Hat Security Conference this summer, or the virtual conference that may replace it. Quote, again, all of this can be done in under five minutes, end quote. Security researchers have long been wary of Intel's Thunderbolt interface as a potential security issue. It offers faster speeds of data transfer to external devices, in part by allowing more direct access to a computer's memory than other ports, which can lead to security vulnerabilities. A collection of flaws in Thunderbolt components known as Thunderclap revealed by a group of researchers last year, for instance, showed that plugging a malicious device into a computer's Thunderbolt port can quickly bypass all of its security measures. As a remedy, those researchers recommended that users take advantage of a Thunderbolt feature known as security levels, disallowing access to untrusted devices or even turning off Thunderbolt altogether in the operating system settings. That would turn the vulnerable port into a mere USB and display port. But Reutenberg's new technique allows an attacker to bypass even those security settings, altering the firmware of the internal chip responsible for the Thunderbolt port and changing its security settings to allow access to any device. It does so without creating any evidence of that change visible to the computer's operating system, end quote. So can I just underline again what this all means? If your computer has a Thunderbolt port, an attacker who gets even brief access to it 
could read and copy all of your data, even if your drive is encrypted, and even if your computer is locked or set to sleep. So, not good. As Caitlin Chippenow tweeted, quote, Thunderspy works even if you follow best security practices by locking or suspending your computer when leaving briefly, and if your system administrator has set up the device with secure boot, strong BIOS and operating system account passwords, and enabled full disk encryption, end quote. While Nicholas Magand tweeted, quote, Say what you will about the VGA port, but it had never let us down like this. Thunderbolt? More like Thunderdolt, end quote. Qualcomm has officially unveiled the Snapdragon 768G processor with faster graphics performance and global 5G support. By faster performance, let me be specific. Apparently 25% faster CPU and GPU performance compared to the Snapdragon 765G. MM Wave and also sub 6 GHz 5G with 120Hz at 1080p resolution. This is from Engadget. The 2.8 GHz Cryo 475 CPU is estimated to run about 15% faster than the 2.4 GHz part in the 765G, while the Adreno 620 graphics promise a similar performance boost, including 120Hz support at 1080p. This is also the first Snapdragon 700 series chip to support upgradable GPU drivers, letting you fine-tune the visual performance almost like you would with a gaming PC. Network speed matters as well, of course, The 768G is part of Qualcomm's second wave of 5G-capable systems on a chip, and that means global 5G with both millimeter wave and sub-6 gigahertz frequencies for, quote, all key regions. You can expect speeds of up to 3.7 Gbps downstream and 1.6 Gbps upstream, although that likely means getting very, very close to an MMWave 5G site, end quote. Sources are reporting that Eric Schmidt has left his role as technical advisor to Alphabet. In fact, he reportedly left in February, thereby ending his 19-year tenure at Google. Quoting CNET, Schmidt's role at Google had gradually diminished after he stepped down as CEO in 2011. Still, his ties to the company have spurred blowback as Schmidt increased his work on U.S. military initiatives. Schmidt chairs the Defense Innovation Board, an advisory group aimed at bringing new technology to the Pentagon, including advancements in machine learning. He's also chairman of the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence, which advises Congress on AI for defense. Critics, though, worry Schmidt could unfairly push Google's financial interests when it comes to his work with the military. Earlier this week, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said Schmidt would serve as chair of a commission that'll be tasked with updating that state's technological infrastructure and practices during and after the coronavirus pandemic. The group will tackle subjects including telehealth, internet broadband, and remote learning, Schmidt said. The appointment also prompted concerns about the influence of big tech in the public sector, especially given Google's past data privacy scandals. Schmidt, 65, joined Google after serving as CEO of software maker Novell. 
He was introduced to Google founders Page and Brin by two of Google's most prominent backers at that time, venture capitalist John Doerr of Kleiner Perkins and Mike Moritz of Sequoia Capital. During Schmidt's tenure, the company expanded beyond its roots as a search engine to tackle other technologies, including mobile phones and online video. It also adopted a corporate structure that reflected its growing financial success. Schmidt helped take the company public in 2004, a stock market debut that made him a billionaire. Schmidt still holds about $5.3 billion in the company's stock, end quote. A couple of cool solutions to tell you about today. First, Microsoft and Intel have developed an approach to detecting malware that, this is clever, involves first converting its binary form into a grayscale image and then applying deep learning methods to analyze the image which is pretty wild, right? Quoting ZDNet. The Intel Microsoft research team said the entire process followed a few simple steps. The first consisted of taking an input file and converting its binary form into a stream of raw pixel data. Researchers then took this one-dimensional pixel stream and converted it into a 2D photo so that normal image analysis algorithms can analyze it. The width of the image was selected based on the input file's size. The height was dynamic and resulted from dividing the raw pixel stream by the chosen width value. After assembling the raw pixel stream into a normal-looking 2D image, researchers then resized the resulting photo to a smaller dimension. The Intel and Microsoft teams said that resizing the raw image did not, quote, negatively impact the classification result, and this was a necessary step so that the computational resources won't have to work with images consisting of billions of pixels, which would most likely slow down processing. The resized images were then fed into a pre-trained deep neural network that scanned the image, 2D representation of the malware strain, and classified it as clean or infected. Microsoft says it provided a sample of 2.2 million infected portable executable file hashes to serve as a base for the research. Researchers used 60% of the known malware samples to train the original DNN algorithm, 20% of the files to validate the DNN, and the other 20% for the actual testing process. The research team said stamina achieved an accuracy of 99.07% in identifying and classifying malware samples with a false positive rate of just 2.58%, end quote. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com slash 
slash techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash techmeme. ZocDoc dot com slash techmeme. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity. But user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Microsoft is also rolling out something that it has tested internally, something called a reply-all storm protection feature for Office 365 customers. Once you hear what this does, you can see why this might be more than welcome. In essence, this tool will let IT staff detect and head off one of those horrible situations when someone at your company replies all to everyone in your entire company, and well, you know how that goes. Aside from it being annoying, something like that can actually cause company email servers to go down. This even happened recently at Microsoft in January of last year, and in fact, just last month, clogging that company's internal communications for hours. Quoting once more from ZDNet, The feature started rolling out this week to all Office 365 users worldwide. In its current form, Microsoft says the Reply All Storm Protection feature will block all email threads with more than 5,000 recipients that have generated more than 10 Reply All sequences within the last 60 minutes. Once the feature gets triggered, Exchange Online will block all replies in the email thread for the next four hours, helping servers prioritize actual emails and shut down the Reply All Storm. Microsoft said it would also continue working on the feature going forward, promising to add controls for Exchange admins so they can set their own storm detection limits. Other planned features also include reply-all storm reports and real-time notifications to alert administrators of an ongoing email storm so that they can keep an eye on the email server's status for possible slowdowns or crashes. And since Microsoft had had its own run-ins with email storms recently, its own network provided the best testing ground for the feature. Quote, humans still behave like humans no matter which company they work for, the exchange team said this week. We're already seeing the first version of the feature successfully reduce the impact of Reply All Storms within Microsoft, end quote. Late Friday, Apple announced that it will begin reopening some of its U.S. retail stores this week, starting with select stores in Idaho, South Carolina, Alabama, and Alaska. Apple will limit the amount of customers that it is letting in to these stores at any one time and will also check temperatures at entry, quoting 9to5Mac. 
The company closed the majority of its 510 locations worldwide in the first half of March and has recently taken steps to restore critical support and service functions at a handful of stores across Australia, Austria, Germany, and South Korea. To reopen in the U.S., Apple is implementing precautions similar to those it tested when stores reopened in Asia, Europe, and Australia, end quote. And quoting from CNBC, Apple has only six stores in those states named and did not confirm that all of them are opening next week. Overall, Apple has 510 stores globally and 271 stores in the U.S. Apple said that the primary focus of the stores will be fixing products and that it will put safety procedures in place to protect staff and customers from the coronavirus, including temperature checks for employees and customers, social distancing, and face coverings for employees. Quote, our new social distance protocol allows for a limited number of visitors in the store at one time, so there may be a delay for walk-in customers. We recommend, where possible, customers buy online for contactless delivery or in-store pickup, Apple said in a statement, end quote. And finally, here's something that I didn't expect to wake up to this morning. Online used car seller Vroom has apparently filed confidentially for an IPO, setting its sights on a June debut. In its most recent round of funding, just this past December, Vroom was valued at $1.5 billion. And in case I'm slurring a bit, I should be clear that I'm saying Vroom, V-R-O-O-M, quoting the Wall Street Journal. Vroom hopes to draft behind rival Carvana, a better-known online car seller whose shares have jumped sevenfold since its 2017 IPO. After falling 80% during the broader market sell-off in March, Carvana's shares have recovered to trade near record levels. With social distancing measures keeping consumers at home, online car sellers could benefit at the expense of traditional dealers if buyers opt for digital shopping and at-home delivery experiences over visiting dealer lots. Market volatility this year has largely quieted the market for IPOs across many industries in the U.S. In the first two weeks of April, only two companies went public, raising a few hundred million dollars, according to data provider DealLogic. And only one tech company has gone public in all of 2020, according to data from IPO expert Jay Ritter, a finance professor at the University of Florida. Some of last year's offerings have performed poorly, including ride-hailing companies Uber and Lyft, while we company, parent of office sharing company WeWork, nearly collapsed after pulling its IPO last fall, end quote. Yeah, quite brave of Vroom to be the first company sticking its head out above the parapet at this moment. Although I can see, based on what we just said, that maybe they think they're well positioned for the current COVID reality, and fortune does sometimes favor the bold. Though apparently, until recently, Vroom while primarily known for selling used cars online, still sold more than half of its cars via traditional dealerships. So maybe that's what this is about. They need this extra capital to go whole hog into the virtual sales space. Another book recommendation that I just stumbled across this weekend, some real data porn for you data nerds or history nerds or just sociology nerds, I guess. The book is called Atrocities, and it's by this dude, Matthew White, who for years has maintained the historical atlas of the 20th century website. A few years ago, he published Atrocities, which outlines the deadliest episodes in human history. 
like he literally ranks them in order what were the worst wars the worst natural disasters genocides etc over the course of human history how many people really died what were the contours of each etc this book actually came out several years ago but it's new to me and i was someone who was brought up with things like the book of lists and the guinness book of world records so this is right up my alley even if the subject matter is grim but look What can I tell you? I do want to know how many people the Roman Gladiator games killed over the years. I want to hear about things that I've never heard of before, like the Fang La Rebellion, or the debate over the real death toll of the Thirty Years' War, or I'm just stunned to learn that the war of the Spanish succession was way more deadly than I ever knew. Anyway, if you're into this sort of stuff, it's super nerdy, super grim, but super fun. Link to the book in the show notes. It's called Atrocities. Talk to you tomorrow.